0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Stuckart Harvest Church. I am glad that you're here this morning. I have so much information I want to get to, and I want to get to as fast as I can. We're in part four of a series called It Is Written, because some things God has written down before it ever happened, and it's as if God is kind of putting his thumbprint on that saying, see, that's me. That That's my work. God is a creative God. He's not going to do anything really normal the way we might expect him to. It's going to be really creative and interesting, and that's kind of part of why I like all these prediction things where he wrote them down before he ever did it. And then he did it as if he's saying, see, I I told you, you can trust me. You can trust me. And then some things, uh, some things he gave us even uh, pictures that described what is going to happen. We talked about one of those last week. If you missed last week's get that on the internet It it was just such a cool thing to talk about last week and this week We're looking at another thing similar to that But before we can get to all of that, I need to give you some background because jesus Was jewish jesus was jewish. That's what the bible says. He was born into a jewish family He was an israelite. He was a jew And he was born into a Jewish culture, and as Jesus was growing up, all of these cultural things that that Jews did, the way they lived and grew up, that was all happening for him and around him. And so I want to talk to you this morning, to give you some context as we get started, I want to kind of tell you some about the Jewish culture as it related to their romance. We're going to look at kind of this, this Hebrew, this Jewish romance. And this was the world that Jesus grew up in, and that's why I want you to understand it. And so let me tell you how this all started, this Jewish romance. It didn't start the way our romance starts. Um, nope, not at all. In fact, here's kind of maybe how it would go down. A, a young man might see across the way a young lady and he's like i think she might be the one she might be my one and he say like dad 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 you know what do you think what do you think could have happened that way more than likely more than likely the father saw the young lady and then he went to his son and said son that that's going to be your wife <laughs> i picked her and i think it might be a good idea maybe for the next 10 years or so as my family's growing up that maybe we go back to that I'm working on it. We're going to see how it goes. I think I could be a pretty good picker for my kids. So anyway, we're going to see what happens. Haven't made much headway on that, but we're going to see how it goes. Don't think it's going to happen, but I have my hopes up. This is the way it always happened in the Jewish culture. Now, when they identified, they being dad, identified who the son was going to marry, here's kind of how it played out. I know this is not very romantic. The, the romance is going is is to be upped later. This is not so romantic because really it's a legal document and they present, they walk up to this family with a contract and that's what blank number one is. If somebody would turn the lights on for us and some of you, or if you're trying to take notes, blank number one, that's it. It's the contract, the contract. So that's not very romantic, is it? Dad and son would walk up to this family, and they would say, you know, my son is going to marry your daughter, would like to, and here's a contract. And inside of this contract, it would state all of the details about this engagement. All the details would be there, and and it would have all the terms, and so it's really very legal and not very romantic at all, but... but Part of that contract was something called the bride price. That's your blank number two. The bride price. Now that was something that the young man would have to pay in order to marry the girl of his or dad's choice. And the bride price was excessive. It was high. It was expensive. If you're going to marry the person of your choice of all the people in the village that's the one you choose the person of your choice it's going to cost you and the bride price was high and it would be listed in that contract how much the young man would pay in order to marry the woman of his choice or dad's choice and you know it was pretty special because i mean she's the girl's like oh my goodness i don't even think i would pay that for me he's so romantic I'm not sure if he's handsome. I haven't met him, but he's romantic. He paid such a high price for me. And that price is kind of like the young man saying to the young lady, you are so valuable to me. And it's also like he's saying to the father-in-law, future father-in-law, thank you for raising such an amazing young lady. Thank you for instilling these values. Thank you. Because the price was paid to the father-in-law. So, it was listed in the contract. And then if they accepted the contract, then they would pour a cup of wine, and that's how they sealed it. That was as if they were signing the contract. That's how they did it. They would kind of toast it. So the young man would drink, the, the young lady would drink, and by him drinking, he's saying, I promise I'm going to pay that price. I'm going to sacrifice for you, I promise And then she's drinking saying, I promise, I'm your, you're mine, I'm yours. It's going to be us. we forever. That's what they're saying. And then it was also kind of a toast, kind of a celebration and so the romance is kind of coming up a little bit, right? And then number four, the bride price was then paid. the bride price was paid and so he would pay what was in the contract. He would pay to marry this young lady of choice. And it was costly. And after that, after he paid that bride price, so you get it, they had a contract, presented in it, listed the terms and the details, and part of those details were how much he will pay, and it was costly. Then if they accepted, they would drink the cup of wine, sealing the deal, signing the contract, if you will, and then he would pay the price. And then here's the next thing. Number five, the groom would then depart. Now that doesn't sound quite right. You know, shouldn't the party get started? Shouldn't they be celebrating? But that's not what happened. The groom would then take off. Him and his dad, the family, they'd go back home. But here's what he, he wasn't just there waiting around. He had a job to do. And he was to then build a honeymoon suite. That was his job. And he would take the better part of a year to build this suite. Now, the reason why he would take the better part of a year to build the suite is because the dad was the one in charge of what the son was doing. Only the dad could say when the son had done enough, had built enough, prepared enough, made it nice enough. Only the dad could say when he was done. Because, you know, it's a guy. If it were up to the groom... He's going to throw a blow-up bed in the back of his pickup truck, light three Yankee candles and say, yee <laughs> But dad would have none of that. He said, you're going to do this right. I will let you know when you're done. Only the dad could tell the son when he... So the son just kept building, making it nice, and he just kept on till the dad said, okay. And for the better part of a year, that's what was going on. That's what happened for the groom. But the bride, that's another story. She's back at her home. And in blank number six, you're just going to write the word waiting because that's what she's doing. She's waiting. She had some preparations. I mean, she had to gather her things together because she was going to take what she had, all she had, and take it with her to her new life, her new marriage. She would take it. So she had to gather it all together. She had to... Get her lamp ready, I mean that doesn 't make sense to us, maybe a little sense because we know at night it 's dark and you can trip over things but but there in Israel, rocks kind of emerging everywhere, just out of the ground and and, you, and so to for safe travel at night, they had to have light, and so they would have their lamps ready, oil ready to go, they would have their clothes together, even some of the some of the brides who were waiting would even sleep at night as the year progressed. They might start sleeping in their bridal gown because they knew once the groom got there, when he did, they weren't going to have a lot of time to get ready. So she might put that on at night. And as the year progressed, she would also begin to gather her bridesmaids together and they would all sleep at the same house with all their things ready to travel to the wedding on a moment's notice. And so her job was to wait. And you know while she was waiting too? She had some special things she wore during the day. At this point, once she had accepted this contract, she would then put a veil on and she would cover her face, not because she's hiding, not because she can't be seen. She was it was really symbolic to say, Hey fellas, this mm off the market. no don't bring me a contract. I've got one. I got my man. Mm. 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 Stay back, Jack and Will and Bill. I got I'm I, I'm spoken for. I have found my prince charming, but more importantly, he has found his princess because you should see what he paid my daddy for me. Mm, mm. She waits. She's anticipating. She's expecting. Because it's like, oh, you know. It's like, because he has left. He's gone. He's not around her day by day by day by day. He's out of sight, but he does not want to be out of mind. He wants to be on her heart and on her mind as she is on his, as he's preparing the, the honeymoon suite. So... She's waiting. You know what he does in that honeymoon suite, though, by the way? He stocks it. He stocks it with food. He stocks it with just everything he could think of that they might need. He stocks it up. She waits. She's set apart. I mean, she's living among her family and among her friends. She's there. She's serving and loving and being a part of the community. She's there. She's not isolated, but somehow with that veil, it's saying to the world, you know what, my heart's already spoken for. I've got a groom, and he's coming back for me, and I know he's coming back for me. I don't know when, but he's coming because he paid such a dear price for me. I know that he is coming. And so she's waiting, excited, anticipating That Big day and I can only imagine the the, his buddies the groom's buddies would come by and other people would come by and say Hey, i'm so excited for you. When's the big day? When's the big day? And he's like hammering and he's painting wax on wax off He's saying I don't know I don't know. I'm waiting on my dad Uh, He's the only one that no, I don't know. He hadn't told me yet I'm waiting on the word. I'm waiting on the word I'm just waiting. And finally, one day, one day, Dad walks in. He's looking over the work that's been done and the preparations that have been made. He's looking over it all. And one day, as he has done, day after day after day after day, time after time after time for the better part of a year, and finally, with no notice, he walks in. He says, as if he's done every day before, Today. Today, son, you are done. It looks great. You are ready. You have finished what you needed to do, and you've met my expectation. It's time. It's ready. It's time for you to go get your bride. Oh, and this is no ordinary fetching of your bride because she doesn't know he's coming. It's a surprise, and he is literally going to sneak in and sweep her off her feet. That's a little more romantic, isn't it? He's doing better now, isn't he? And so he gathers up his groomsmen, and that's what number seven is. And I may miss some of these blanks. We'll come back and pick them up. If I miss it completely, email me, text me, Facebook me. I'll let you know what I was supposed to say. But blank number seven is the return. Dad finally says, go get your bride. And he gathers up the groomsmen and they sneak off and go towards the bride's home where she is waiting, doesn't know when he's coming, but knows he is has her stuff gathered together her bridesmaids are there and they are ready and you know what happens because i mean he's a gentleman even though it's going to be, he's going to be sneaking in they don't know he is still a gentleman and knows that a lady's got to do what a lady's got to do she's got to get the do right and so they give her a little advance notice not a lot just a few minutes and so as they're approaching the house they give a big shout And they let her know, and they blow a horn, this giant horn, ram's horn, and they blow it and let her know, we are here. And they know when they hear the shout and they hear the horn, they know the wedding party, the men have arrived, the young men have arrived to steal away the bride and her bridesmaids to the wedding. How cool is that? They hear the shout they hear the horn and they say we're ready and they start gathering up all their stuff and they go outside to meet the groom wow and together they all head off towards the wedding ceremony and when they get there when they get to the groom's house they get to this chamber, this honeymoon chamber. Sometimes it was a separate building that he built. Sometimes if it was a room within a, the larger father's home, and he took that room and took the, the year to, to get that room ready. Either way, wherever it was, that's where they head. They get married, and they immediately head into this chamber. That's what number, well, number eight is the shout. Number nine is the chamber, and they head into the chamber the chamber, and they shut the door for seven days, which is why it was stocked up with lots of food and electrolytes like Gatorade. (laughs) And the door shuts for seven days. Now, I know this sounds easy enough. But what maybe you didn't pick up on, and here's the next part of that blank on number nine, the father of the groom has already invited, while the groom was gone to get the bride, hundreds and hundreds of people who have already gathered, and they are all there, right? Hundreds of people right outside of the honeymoon suite door, all there. They're ready to party, to celebrate, but they can't celebrate. They can't let the party get started until the marriage is consummated. Now, teenagers, go home, ask your parents all about that. They'll help you out. We don't have time today. You thought you had pressure on your honeymoon That's pressure. And to make it worse and now incredibly creepy and awkward with hundreds of people outside of your honeymoon suite at the door waiting for the consummation of the marriage so they can begin the celebration. They're waiting on you. It gets a little bit worse because one of the groomsmen, you might call him the best man, something like that. One of the groomsmen is literally at the door with his ear at the door, waiting on you, waiting for your voice, uh, Freddie, you there?" And Freddie's at the door. <laughs> yell, <Yeah>, Bob, <laughs> I'm here, I am here. I'm um, Freddie and the duck. It's done. It's done. It's it's done deal. That's what Freddie was waiting on. And Freddie goes back to all of the guests and he says, It has been done. And the party begins. That's what they were waiting on. They were waiting on that. And now they celebrate outside of the honeymoon chamber suite. They celebrate outside for seven days while the honeymoon's going on inside for seven days. And then at the end of the seven days, the door opens, and out slowly walks two people married. And this time, though, she has on no veil. And it's almost as if they're saying, before what was hidden has now been revealed we are married and they walk outside to what blank number 10 for us is the marriage supper at the end of the seven days they walk outside and they all celebrate now with this amazing marriage supper kind of like it would be just like a giant wedding reception what we would think of it as and they have this amazing marriage supper. And you know what? After the marriage supper is over, then immediately the man and his wife, they travel off to start their new life and the new home that has been prepared also during this seven. that Not seven, during been prepared during this um, while they were waiting. How cool is that? It didn't start out so romantic, but boy, it sure did get better at the end, didn't it? And you know, Jesus, Jesus was Jewish, lived in a Jewish culture and God operated and functioned within this Jewish culture to help tell you and to tell me an amazing story that is true and accurate to help us understand how it worked. And we many times have had no idea about part of the story because we're not familiar with their Jewish lives. Do you realize that Jesus selected a bride? And you're like, Harley, wait, wait. Jesus was single, except in that weird movie. Jesus didn't have a bride. He was single. Yeah, he's single. He's a groom who has selected his bride. And you know what the Bible tells us? The bride? Who's the bride? The Bible tells us you are the bride. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, you're the bride. And now we're going to explore not just history, not just Jewish history. We're going to explore very quickly, as quickly as I can. We're going to explore God's romance through the eyes of the Jewish romance. And God had Jesus follow this precisely. Jesus as the groom. This is so cool. He even presented a contract, just like the first thing I said. They present a contract, a covenant, an agreement, a legal document. He presented that. The book of Hebrews tells us about it. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8. I'm going to read several verses. They'll be on the screen. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new contract, a new covenant with people of Israel and Judah, verse 9. This covenant will not be like the old one I made with their ancestors when they took them, uh, when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. and led, This is important, what he said, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. He said, he said, this old one, I wrote it on stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, this covenant, this contract, they broke it. And I turned my back on them. This was part of the plan. But, he says, verse 10, but this is new. This new covenant, new contract, I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. This time I'm not going to write it in stone, he says. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their very hearts. And this is what it is. The contract says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And then he tells them the terms. If you skip down to verse 12, here are the terms of the contract. I will forgive their wickedness, their sins, their wrongdoings. I will forgive them, and I will never again remember their sins. Now, this is not saying that God will get amnesia and say, be like, Oh, I mean, I think they did something wrong. I just can't remember. No, God knows but what he's saying is, I'm not going to pull this back up and throw it in their face. I'm not going to pull it up and hold this against them again, because it's already been paid for. I won't pull it back out and hold it up. No, nope, not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's been paid for. Do you know what he's saying? I mean, listen to the, literally what God is saying. My bride can cheat on me. <laughs> And I will forgive her. Can forget about me. I'll forget it. I'll forgive her. I won't hold it against her. I will pay the price, the penalty. I will pay for it. I won't allow this contract to be broken. If they enter into this contract with me, I will not allow. No matter what they do, I won't allow it to be broken. Wow. Wow. Man, what kind of a contract is that? I will tell you, it's one that required a high price, a very high price. The bride price that Jesus the groom paid for his bride, the bride price that he paid, he told us about it. He said he left heaven. The amazement of heaven, and he came here to this earth. That, that was the price he paid. He took off the godly form that he existed in and put on the flesh of man. That was a huge price. He lowered himself to a man. And ultimately, the price? He gave his life and died. For you and for me, he died. That was the bride price. That was written in the contract, part of the covenant. Whatever they do, I will die for it. I will forgive it. Wow. What an amazing price. It was his very life, his death. And then he sealed the contract. We talked a little bit about this last week. And listen to it from the eyes now of the groom. We looked at it last week from the Passover. Listen to from the eyes of the groom. He sealed it with a cup, and it was his blood. Matthew chapter 26, verse 27 and following, he said, And he took the cup of wine, he gave it to them, and he said, Each of you drink from it. How did the groom seal the contract? He sealed it with a cup of wine, and that's what Jesus did on this night. And he gave it to them, said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood. Which, what is it doing? It is confirming the covenant between God and his people. It is confirming, affirming, saying, I will fulfill my end of the contract, the bridal contract. I'll do it, Jesus said. I'll do it. And then he said to his disciples, will you drink it? Because you're the bride. Will you say yes. And you know what happens every time? I mean, not literally, but symbolically when you take the cup at the Lord's Supper or communion and you drink. Here's what you're saying with your heart. I'm in. I'm in. I, that contract was written for me. That blood was shed for me. It paid for me. That was the bride price. I'm in. Wow. Verse 28, for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people and it is poured out as a sacrifice. Here's that price. Why? 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 To forgive the sins of many. And now he looks at you and he says, will you drink too? And do you know what happens next for the groom? After the contract, then the price is paid. And that very night, after he sealed the contract, drank, and they drank, he headed off towards the cross where he would be arrested, and he would be tried, and he would be sent to the cross to die, to pay the price he said he was going to pay for his bride. That very night, after he drank and sealed the covenant, sealed the contract, signed the contract with his blood. Wow. Wow. God created this picture to help us understand, but it has been void because we don't know their culture. Isn't that picture amazing? The price was paid. It's as if Jesus is saying, I will pay the price that I told you I would pay, but now do your part. I'll pay the price. Now you wait on me. Verse, 22, uh, verse 41, Luke chapter 22. This is after he drank the cup and they went to the garden. He was on his way to the cross right before he was arrested. Right before that price would be paid. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And he had a conversation with the Father. Father, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, please Oh, God, please. He said, please take this cup of suffering away from me. It's as if he's saying this price is too high. It is too costly. Uh, can you just imagine a young Jewish man who has discovered what his father is going to make him pay for his bride? And he goes back to his dad after sealing the contract and then thinking, oh, oh, father, that, that's too much. I can't pay for that. Do you know how long it will take me to sacrifice and save and do that? It's too much. And the father looks at him and says, son, you you can do it. You can do it. We signed the contract. We sealed it. You can do it. And Jesus responded in prayer back to the father, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him as if God is saying, no, son, you can do it. You must do it. You must do it. And the price was paid. A horrible death that we cannot imagine. And understanding the price that was paid for us, the bride price paid for us, makes me makes me want to live a life that is waiting for him. When I forget what Jesus did for me, I live my life for myself, not waiting, not thinking, not anticipating. I live it for me, with my veil removed. But God says, I want. You. I, I paid the price. Wait for me. Wait for me. No matter what temptations are around you, wait for me. No matter what is trying to steal your heart, wait for me. I paid the price. I'm preparing the place. Wait for me. So the price is paid. Jesus dies and he looks at you. And he says, listen, I'm not going to be around here for a while. I'm going to go to my father's house. And there, I'm going to go to work preparing a place for you. Here's how he said it, John chapter 14, verse 1. He said, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. See, all of those things in the past that have happened, it's a thumbprint saying you can trust me. I wrote it down and it happened. You trust God. Now he said, listen, trust in me because what I'm saying is going to happen too. Trust in God and trust in also in me. Verse 2. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He said, "Ah, that's where I'm going. I'm preparing a place for you, my bride. That's where I'm headed, to dad's house. To prepare a place for you. You, I sacrificed, I paid the price for you, and now I'm going. You are on my mind. You're the only reason I am building. You're the only reason I'm preparing. I've gone to prepare a place for you. Verse 3. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Always. We will never be separated again. You will never have to wait on me again. And while he's preparing the place, Jesus, he says, I'm preparing the place for you. Do you know what we are doing? That's what's happening right now in history. This is where we are. He gave us the contract. He listed the price he would pay. He drank the cup. You drank the cup. He died on the cross and he departed to prepare the place. And now we are here. We are waiting. We're waiting. Now listen to how Jesus describes this. And he uses the same thing we're talking about right now. He says, I'm I'm gone doing this, and while I'm gone, you be ready, you be waiting for me, be expecting me, be loyal to me, be be, be faithful to me. Don't let anybody steal your heart. Don't let anything steal your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Why? It answers it in verse 20. For God bought you with a high price, the bride price, a high price so that you must now honor God with your body. Jesus preparing the place, we're waiting, and then comes the return. Remember, the son doesn't know when it is, only the father knows. And that's exactly what Jesus said, because here's the whole story he's telling about the groom and the bride. Verse 36, everyone is saying, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And he says in verse 36 of Matthew 24, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. I don't even know, he says. I'm the son. I'm the groom. I don't know. Only the father knows. The father of the groom. He's coming. He's coming. And we think because it wasn't last year, and it wasn't last month, and it wasn't last night, it's probably not going to be tomorrow either, and we find ourselves not waiting. And Jesus gives us more of this motif. This is just amazing. Matthew chapter 25, listen to how Jesus describes the waiting here. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated, Matthew chapter 25 verse 1, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And now he tells how the story went down to describe his relationship to you and me, God's relationship to this whole thing. Verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wives. And And now he tells the story. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, Jesus, in other words, saying, there's going to be a delay. I mean, it's not going to be immediate. There is going to be a period of time where I am not there. I have delayed it. I am building, preparing for you. I'm there. You're here. A delay. I may be delayed, but expect me. I may be delayed, but wait for me. I'm coming. And here's how he words it. When the bridegroom, not if, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. They weren't waiting. They weren't waiting well. Verse 6, but here it plays out exactly the way it was supposed to play out in a Jewish romance. And in the romance, God's romance, this is how it plays out. Verse 6, at midnight they were roused. In other words, late at night when they weren't expecting it. They were roused by the shout. What shout? The warning shout that, hey, the bridegroom's coming, the party's coming. They were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids, they got up and they prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Hey, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10, But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. He was there while they were gone. Then those who were ready went, to, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. They went into that honeymoon suite. The door was locked. Verse 11, later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, 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 open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Then Jesus explains, he says, so you must keep watch. In other words, expect it. I said I was coming for you. I may be delayed, but I'm going to be there on the Father's time. I'll be there. Expect me. Keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. But guess what? He's saying, I will be back to get you. And then, then. The father said, You're done. Go get your bride. And how does that play out? Exactly the way it was supposed to. The way it is supposed to. There's a shout. As the wedding party approaches, as, as Jesus approaches, the day will come. Will he will come with what? A commanding shout. First Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. The voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Warning, saying, here I am. I am here to get you. I know it's a surprise, but I'm here. First, the Christians who have died will rise from the graves. And then in verse 17 here, Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord, the groom, forever. Celebration begins. They enter the bridal chamber. Jesus has been preparing since he left and said hey i'm going to prepare the place guess what he's still preparing it's going to be fantastic he's preparing it for you how long was the jewish groom and bride in the chamber for 7 7 days door locked 7 days how long are we going to be with jesus in this Celebration. The Bible tells us seven years. Seven years. Seven. Now next week, you don't want to miss next week. Next week, we're going to tell you what the Bible because the Bible tells us in great detail. While we are in heaven with Jesus, the groom. During this seven years, the Bible tells us in great detail what's going on here on earth for that seven years. Jesus called it the great tribulation. We're going to tell you in detail next week what that is. What's, while we're there, what's happening here? And then the Bible describes how the bride and groom emerged from the, the, the chamber and they have that marriage supper that marriage feast but before the party starts and before they come out remember i told you how there was going to be someone listening at the door awkward listen to this written down in john we have, john gives us john the the disciple is talking about john the Baptist here listen to he's saying this is what John said John chapter 3 verse 28 you yourselves can testify that I said I'm not the Christ John the Baptist saying I'm not Jesus I'm the one who was sent ahead of him but then listen to how he describes this Uh, God told him to do this this is what he said it makes sense now maybe not when you read it but listen now Verse 29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The believers, the followers of Jesus belong to Jesus. The, they're the bride, they belong to Jesus. The friend, he said, I'm just the friend, I'm not the groom. I'm just the, the friend who attends the bridegroom, waits and listens. He's at the bridal chamber, waiting and listening. For him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. He says that's my job. I'm going to be waiting and I'm going to be listening. And when the couple emerges. When the bride, the church and Jesus emerge. They come out to a celebration. The marriage supper Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to Him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, the groom, Jesus. And His bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of the pure white linen to wear, and it describes the bride. They emerge to the wedding feast, and then... Then they depart for the father's house they leave jesus and the bride and that's the point that jesus is going to bring you a follower of jesus if you are a follower of his back to this earth where you he will set up his kingdom here on earth for a thousand years and then there's lots then eternity after that And God, our most creative, amazing Heavenly Father, chose to reveal this to you in the picture of the groom and the bride in this Jewish culture. And Jesus followed directions to a T. He's presented you with a contract. You have symbolically drank from the cup to seal it and the price has been paid and waiting is our response and he will be back for us because he's gone to prepare a place as he has promised how now have you been waiting and that's our bottom line today jesus is coming back for you if you're a follower of his he is coming back to you how have you been waiting while I'm waiting for him to come back, while I'm waiting, while you're waiting, he has asked us to love him, give him your heart, your attention, give him your life. And while you're waiting, love and serve the people around you. Give him all of your soul, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength. And then he said, and then do this. And love the people around you. How have you been waiting? That's my only question. That's what I ask you to deal with between you and God this week. And here's the good news. He said if you are his follower, you are part of the bride. You are the bride. Listen, if you're his follower, you're the bride. And you cannot break that contract. No matter what has happened, it's not broken. He paid the price. But now he asks. Because of the dear price he paid, will you wait for him? Anticipate him, expect him with all of your heart. Don't forget about him. Don't go about life as usual. Anticipate him. And some of you this morning, some of you are saying for the very first time, you know what, I... I've never given him my life. I've known about Jesus, about what, but I've never said, Jesus, this life is yours, you can have it. I've made my own decisions, I've done my own thing, but Jesus, you paid for me, you paid the price, now you can have this life. And if you've never said that before, but you're saying it right now, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and three days later he rose again, and you're saying in your heart, that was a payment, you bought me, and so Jesus, you can have my life, if you're saying that, For the first time, on the back of your connection card, there's a place to mark that. Because here's what you're saying. You bought me, and you're coming back for me. I'm yours. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song that celebrates this amazing act of Jesus, how he paid the price for you and me. But first, let me pray for us. God, thank you. That you have offered us a contract that we cannot break if we give you our lives. Everything's been paid for and now we don't serve you out of fear that we lose the contract. We don't serve you out of obligation because we, you, you, we owe you. We serve you because you paid such a dear price for us. We can think of nothing else to do but just to love you. God, we sing this song of praise to you, and it is in your name, Jesus, the groom, who paid the price. Paid the price. We drank the cup and said, you can have our lives. And you paid that price. You departed to build that place, and you said, I'm coming back. And we anticipate your return. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.